It's that time of night when the museums have closed and the crowds have thinned out and made their way home. As the evening sets in and the city's piazzas say goodbye to the bustling marketplaces, the public squares of Rome take on a more relaxed mood. And there's usually a place where you can sit comfortably with an overpriced drink and enjoy the front row view of the magic of that city after dark, pretty much the way it's been lived for centuries. Joining us for an evening stroll around the streets of Rome are two of my favorite guides. Francesca Caruso is one of the city's most knowledgeable and insightful guides, and she lives there much of the year. And Jean Openshaw is an art historian and the co-author of the Rick Steves Europe 101 book, and he authors the art and history sections of many of the Rick Steves city guides. Jean is also one of my oldest friends and travel buddies. In fact, he joined me when I first explored Europe after high school. And you can join in with us at 877-333-7425. Francesca and Jean, buonasera. Ciao. Hi, When I was talking about my favorite little images of Rome after dark, what images would you uh, add to the mix? Just just little glimpses of, of how Rome can charm you after dark. I would add the way the character of the people change uh, at night. During the day, Rome is a very busy, modern city of two and a half million people. And people are going about their business. They're crowding onto the buses. They're trying to hail a taxi. They're speeding like heck through traffic. And it can be exhausting. And it can be very exhausting, and they're in their business suits. And then as the sun goes down, the entire character changes. And it's not just for tourists, but for the people there. And this is what they live for in Rome, is to be able to come out and socialize, and everything becomes more relaxed. And people's attitude changes, and for them, an evening is not... I'm going to rush here to this concert, and I'm going to rush here to get dinner, and I'm going to grab something to go, the way many Americans would do. Instead, it's settling down into this easy rhythm of life and seeing what's going to happen next. And a major loss for a tourist is to have that brutal city all day long and have your agenda and then be done and go back to your hotel and and miss that magic of Rome, isn't it? Yeah. Think about uh, the traditional Roman siesta. These are people who will take their large meal in the afternoon and maybe even sit down and take a little nap or watch a little TV, fall in front of the TV for 20 minutes or something, all in order to recharge their batteries so that they can come out at night. And that's when they really live. And that's what tourists should also do. You know, take a, if you, if you need to, take a little break from your sightseeing in the heat of the mid-afternoon, take your little siesta and gear up for the wonder of nighttime. Francesca, you've spent your entire life in Rome, and uh, how would you encourage travelers to connect with that special dimension of Rome that happens after the workday is done? Yes, it's a sort of shift from uh, grandiosity to intimacy and really discovering a more approachable city. And I have to say that one thing that I've discovered I've become very attached to and I think makes this connection with an intimate Rome easier is the way the city is lit Mm. Because I think it was a deliberate choice on the part of the city administration not to have this neon glare that sort of flattens everything and makes everything look the same, but to have these very soft, very orange lights that Mm. are supposed to imitate the light of the torches in the past. So when you stroll through uh, the city at night, you can't see everything together from afar. 
uh, you have to sort of discover it closely as you get to it. And so it, um, it affords a more gradual, intimate look that I have to say I, I really love. And it also makes you imagine the city. Somehow it's easier to imagine Rome in the past in the evening than it is in the daytime. It really is, and that, that I never realized that. But the orange glow that they have created with their lighting is uh, to take you back to torchlit Rome kind of an interesting distinction. There's the Grand Rome, and then there's the Intimate Rome. And by day, it really is the Grand Rome. When we think of the icons of Rome, we mm-hmm. think of these big Roman monuments, the Colosseum mm-hmm. and, and the Pantheon Zone. But really, the, the nighttime Rome is the small, more medieval lanes that people walk through. That's true. Uh, by I've day, got... it's the archaeologist Rome, and by night, it's the Romantics Rome. So the icons of Rome after dark are more intimate, and the icons of Rome by day are these grandiose uh, monuments Francesca, something I've learned in the last few years in Italy is to take part in this whole aperitivo culture. You know, even if you're not a type of person that likes a cocktail before dinner, make room in your day for that. Have a drink on a piece of expensive real estate. Enjoy the little munchies surrounded by local people doing exactly that. What are some tips for an American who's not necessarily comfortable with that, but who wants to partake in that little slice of the culture. Yeah, I really invite everybody to partake in this because these, these Italian and places are just an invitation to share in that. So if I had to plan a perfect evening in Rome, I would certainly like to have an aperitivo. If I wanted to do something a bit of a splurge, I would go to maybe a rooftop uh, bar at, uh, at a hotel downtown. If Otherwise, I would just have it in one of the squares. Then I would have dinner. I would skip dessert. And then I would plan on an after-dinner stroll with gelato. That's a multi-course, uh, movable feast, isn't it? Hey, it it's Rome. <laughs> it's, it, it is. It's all about the pace of things. I mean, yeah. Romans don't, they don't try to fit in like dinner in a show. It's just right. kind of dinner in, in the various courses that, that Francesca mentions, where you linger over each course, where the meal becomes the evening's entertainment itself. And Romans love to, to dress up, to go out, to meet their friends, to sit at a little cafe or a restaurant with those rickety tables and, and traffic roaring past them. But it's that little slice of, uh, of intimacy where they can then get into that, that pace of life and that rhythm of life where each course becomes a new magical thing. And for a traveler with a tourist who wants to kind of keep it moving but have the best of both worlds, you can do it in that three-course way. Choose a square that you want to enjoy your aperitivo choose a nice characteristic restaurant, and then stroll with the people and uh, enjoy your, your gelato break. Yes, and that's when you're not a tourist anymore. That's when you really become a then local. Then you become a local. Mm. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm talking with uh, Gene Openshop and Francesca Caruso, and we're talking about Rome after dark. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. You can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. And Rebecca is calling from Chicago, Illinois. Rebecca, thanks for your call. I just had more of a comment. Um, a few years ago, I studied abroad in Rome, and one of my favorite things to do uh, was with one of my girlfriends. We would dress up and go out to Trastevere for the evening, and we like to do progressive dinners. We would start um, at one restaurant and just get an appetizer, two, and split, and then we'd usually go to another restaurant and get pizza or some pasta, and then we'd usually um, cap it off by going to a, a final restaurant and eating, like, gelato or just some wonderful Italian dessert. So I highly suggest that to people is just to um, do a progressive dinner throughout Trastevere. And when you were in Trastevere, were you eating outdoors or indoors generally? Both. Mostly um, outdoors. A few times it was indoors. And, how, Rebecca, how would you describe Trastevere? Oh, my goodness. It is, when you think of 
Italy, it's what you think of when you go there. It's almost like going to Tuscany, but having Tuscany come to Rome. It's just wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's hard to <laughs> that's think imagine. That's an interesting way to describe it. Trastevere is definitely the... The colorful, you know, in, in the United States, we have the wrong side of the tracks. We always talk about the wrong side of the tracks. And it occurs to me in Europe, it's kind of the wrong side of the river. Just like the train tracks brought commerce into town in the Wild West or something, in Europe, the river brings the commerce into town. All the decent stuff is on one side, and the crusty immigrants and, you know, uh, characteristic uh, zones would be on the other side. And Trastevere is Rome's other side of the tracks. Francesca, what advice do you have for enjoying Trastevere after dark? Well, Tessivit is full of places for to have a drink or to go to dinner, but I think uh, that I understand why Rebecca liked it so much. And this is something that I think is the same reason that the uh, that the Romans themselves uh, like it. Because it's true, and as Jean was saying, too, that Rome is this big, modern, bustling city. But the thing that makes it, I think, most endearing to the Romans is that it never lost its village dimension. It's true. You st- you go through Trastevere, and it does feel like a village. In fact, you've got that that local pride. I mean, of course, it's not true today, but there was a time when when locals bragged they would never cross the river. They spent their whole life on the other side of the Tiber River. Isn't that literally what Trastevere means? Yes, on the other side of Trastiberim, on the other side of the river, yes. Jean, what do you think of in Trastevere after dark? Oh, I, I do think of crossing the Ponte Fabricio over the Isola de Tiber, and when you enter there, this is that other side of Rome, the intimate side of Rome, that we talked about earlier. This is the Rome of the narrow lanes, of the red pastel buildings with green ivy hanging down, with the people's laundry hanging overhead. Lanes that then pop into tiny little squares where, as the caller mentioned, where you have little cafes, restaurants, pizzerias, where you can sit down and enjoy your your meal. And the, the food is great and the aperitifs are great, but it really is presenting you the theater of the people that then pass by and hang out in these squares. And that's kind of what you're paying your cover charge for. And something happens to the vividness of it and the character of it when the sun goes down. It's almost like going from black and white to color or something like that. Yeah. After hours, Trastevere is the place to go. No, I was thinking of what Gene was saying before about the idea of, of an evening with dinner and the show. Well, in the sense, I was thinking to myself that dinner is the show. In the sense that the entertainment is looking around yourself and seeing whatever people are, the way way you look, what they're talking about, just participating in this, uh, in the social life. So I was thinking of that distinction. Rebecca, thanks for your call, and and you got us onto a a beautiful end of Rome there. It's a a beautiful idea to go to Rome and have that uh, wonderful, movable banquet. Well, thank you so much. Grazie. Francesca. You've had your aperitivo now, and everybody's out. Uh, the floodlighting's there. The city is in its magic, glowing, warm feeling. The, the people have made their money. Now they're just going to have a good time. Uh, you've done your work. Tour groups are gone. Now you can go out with your, your favorite uh, travel partner and just enjoy <laughs> the city. Where are you going to go? Well, there are numerous walks that one uh, can go on. And I would like to tell you about one that you can do even in the reverse order, if you like, depending on where you are. I would uh, like to start from St. Peter's Square because in the evening it's lit up splendidly. And I would just walk towards the river where the Castel Sant'Angelo, this fortress where the popes used to escape to in the past, it's also lit up beautifully, cross the river Tiber and cross it on the uh, Bridge of the Angels, which is decorated with these beautiful Baroque statues by uh, Gian Lorenzo Bernini and his workshop. So absolutely fantastic Baroque statues. 
Then I would walk along the Via dei Coronari. The Via dei Coronari is a street that's very easy to find on a map, and it does give us that backstreet village um, dimension that we've been discussing. Very, very romantic, too, in a strange way. And I would end up at Piazza Navona for that extra gelato. This is a <laughs> very simple one to trace on a map, and I think it, it gives the grandeur and it gives the intimacy. And you could actually uh, work that in with your sightseeing because if you go to St. Peter's in the Vatican to see the Basilica or the museum, you're going to spend a good part of your day there. Uh, You could grab an early dinner there or you could just take a little break and then start this walk uh, when we get that magic hour going on. When you are walking down that, what's the big uh, boulevard that approaches St. Peter's Square? Uh, Via della Conciliazione. Yeah, that was designed by Mussolini. Mussolini, Explain that because it was a medieval hodgepodge before and then Mussolini wanted to change it up. Yes, and it actually changed everything, even from a visual standpoint, because until they built that road, there was this busy, uh, very intricate neighborhood there. And after the latter and pacts were signed in 1929 that established the status of the Vatican City as we know it today, uh, Mussolini had that uh, neighborhood completely demolished and opened it up. Uh, so with this, uh, if you wanted to save a charming medieval neighborhood, that was sort of unfortunate. But if you want to enjoy the grandeur of Michelangelo's dome and to be able to see that dome, in its beautiful sort of completeness. You have that great procession way now, yes. thanks to Mussolini. Yes, a lot of people, I think, regretted that because it had, it, with Mussolini's Via della Conciliazione, it lost the surprise effect that you would ah. meander through narrow little streets and a little bit of like a Trevi, boom, there you would be from one moment to the next. So now with the fact that you can see it from a distance, uh, it's a different effect. Okay, Jean, I, I think uh, you enjoy Michelangelo. Would Michelangelo want you to see his dome with the surprise effect or would he appreciate Mussolini's <laughs> approach? <laughs> Michelangelo was very theatrical himself the way he did it. I, you know, his so it's, do- so it's Benito and Michelangelo. <laughs> <then. Sorry. laughs> I'm just getting a kick out of saying Grazie Benito. It's so odd to thank yeah, Mussolini for, to, to say very, to say Mussolini odd. in the same sentence as the Vatican, St. Peter's, see. and Michelangelo. Gene, <laughs> <laughs> we're taking this beautiful walk, uh, enjoying uh, the, the grand uh, street from. Uh, Via della Conciliation, is that what mm-hmm. it is? It's the mm-hmm. Street of Conciliation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're also walking parallel to an elevated pathway that the Pope used to escape to the Castello San Angelo. And that was the second stop on uh, Francesca's walk. Now, when you look at Castello San Angelo, you're looking at a good example of the many layers of Rome, aren't you? Yes. I guess you had to say yes because I, pre- <laughs> yeah. I, I phrased it that way. <laughs> Let me phrase it this way. What do you yeah. see when you look at Castello San Angelo? Well, it, it was originally a tomb for Hadrian, and that was the original structure, and then it took on other uses as time went on, and so in medieval times, because it was so tall and so monumental, it was used as a castle, hmm. Castel Sant'Angelo, mm-hmm. and as a and as a prison. So um, it was the, maus- the tomb or the mausoleum of, of Emperor who? Hadrian. Hadrian. And that was just on the other side of the river because you couldn't bury people on the main side of the river, is that right? Yeah, one of the most ancient Roman laws established that the dead had to be buried outside the city. Okay, and then it served as as that uh, function in the Middle Ages as a castle. Yeah, and and today it's a wonderful place to go up at sunset. Just talk about a way to kick off your evening. Uh, You go up there and you look across and you have this incredible view of Michelangelo's dome and all of the other domes of the city. And you watch the, the sun turn orange and you watch the, <laughs> the pigeons as they start flying by. And this is where you begin to see night descend on the Eternal City. Now, Castel from, San Angelo, wonderful place. And it's, it's big time in Italian opera, isn't it? Um, well, it, it is. This was the, the place, if you've ever seen the, the opera Tosca, this was the place that Cavaradossi was uh, imprisoned and, 
and uh, saying, hey, Luce van la Stella. And then the dramatic final thing as the curtain falls, Tosca standing at the top of Castel San Angelo, and rather than being captured, she thrusts herself off the ramparts and falls to her death in the Tiber. Whoa. Now, now speaking of falling to your death in the Tiber, the bridge right there in front of it is infamous, isn't it, for a sort of the pilgrim equivalent of a rock concert stampede? Yes, because that was the only access to the Vatican uh, from that side. So, yes, it became incredibly crowded at one point. Uh, I think it collapsed and many, many people were actually killed. It's the Ponte degli Angeli, the Bridge of the Angels. Pilgrims just crushing into to the finale of their pilgrimage where they'd walked all the way from France or something like oh, this. Oh, yes. Now, the next stop on your walk through nighttime Rome is Via di Coronari. Do I remember correctly, it's got a lot of antique shops along yes, there? It's, it's famous a, for antique shopping, mm-hmm. and in the evening, they're beautifully lit windows, and a lot of the shops are open. Yeah, sometimes they have these antique fairs, so they stay open, and it's lit in that way that mm-hmm. we said, and it's also, it's mostly pedestrian, so... Now, uh, coronari, does that mean you have a coronary when you see the price of the antiques, or, or what's, the, uh, <laughs> what's the derivation of I, that I word? I think that there were garland makers there in the past <laughs> or something. What does coronari mean? Via di- well, corona is crown, so but I think uh, corona oh, the di crown. fiori, the crowns that flower garlands, and oh, okay. uh, that's how you call them in Italian, corona di fiori, flower crowns. Gotcha. This, this walk just reminds me of so many walks. What's great about Rome at night is that on the one hand, you're walking down a little alleyway or a little narrow street and then torch lit or or seemingly torchlit with this new lighting. And then all of a sudden you pop out and there's a floodlit monument. There's the Pantheon, mm. you know, that, that mm-hmm. surprise element. And, you know, you're getting that mix of this very romantic and dark that, that's then punctuated with a blaze of light mm. and blaze of glory from ancient monuments. And you can have a kind of a quiet, dark, cobbled street and suddenly you step into a floodlit square with three great fountains and it's just bustling with people and artists and street musicians and outdoor cafes. And, of course, I'm thinking of Piazza Navona, which is well-lit in the evening and filled with uh, lots of lots of energy. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Francesca Caruso and Jean Openshaw. Francesca Caruso, that's so Italian. Jean <laughs> Openshaw. <laughs> Come on, Jean. Francesca, so can Anglo. You, uh, Francesca, can you say Jean's uh, name in a good Italian sort of way? Jean Openshaw. <laughs> oh, well, Francesca Caruso. Our Careful, phone number... I'll start calling you Rick Steves. <laughs> Rick Steves. Uh, Rick Steves. Our phone number, 877 That's perfect. And Aldora is on the phone from Oakland, California. Aldora, thanks for your call. Hi, Rick. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, so I'll be a solo woman traveler to Rome, and I just want to know, where can a solo woman go to enjoy evening activities and still be safe? And what are the do's and don'ts of body language in bars and nightlife venues? I think Jean uh, would not be the uh, appropriate <laughs> person to answer this one. Francesca, what about women in Rome? Well, I think as far as being safe, uh, I wouldn't worry about that. If you stay in the historical center, there are always going to be, for the most part, so many people out and about that it's never going to be a problem. What's bound to happen is that people are going to, um, guys are going to come up to talk to you probably quite often, so be prepared for that. For years, I would I would take my groups, which were a lot a lot of women in my tour groups a long time ago, because women just felt comfortable with the group. And, and it was sort of a game. We'd stand on the edge of a square like Piazza Navona and send one woman out on the square 
and we'd just time it and see how long it was before some <laughs> Italian guy had walked up and started up a conversation. A matter of seconds, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, a, it's a matter of seconds. But I, I've, you know, Aldora, we've been bringing people to, to Rome for decades, and uh, I've never heard of anybody having a problem who, who used common sense. I mean, you can find dangerous neighborhoods in Rome, but if you're, if you're out where we're talking about today, I mean... Uh, oh, yes, common sense is the key. What are the do's and don'ts? I mean, what can you do? I, you can be misunderstood. My understanding is, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are quick to misunderstand some sort of a body language you might give out. Well, in Italian, there's this expression, non dare confidenza, so not to become confidential in a sense, so, so to be maybe just a little bit careful at first. Not and, to be uh, coming be confidential? Uh, Meaning not to be, in, in talk about meaningful things or... or well, just, uh, I just uh, be very, very neutral and very vague at first. I would uh, certainly be careful when accepting drinks and things like that. Right. I mean, but again, common sense. One of the great things about Rome at night, or at least Rome in the evening, the, the word is the passeggiata, mm-hmm. is people are out... Uh, you know, strolling and meeting their neighbors and so on. And one of the big aspects of that is the meeting of the genders. Mm-hmm. Now, I, if I'm not mistaken, Francesca, were you telling me that that uh, that uh, where that's a common element everywhere, but one of the biggest passeggiata streets, the Via del Corso, weren't you telling me that that's getting a little a little crude or rude, a little a little too much uh, of the meeting of, of the sex, the meeting of the sexes there. That that's kind of what they're they're on the make. Is is that? Well, it's mostly teenagers. Teenagers that come from uh, from around the city. So yeah, it does have an element of roughness. I would stay. I would stay on the side streets or in the uh, in the areas like Piazza Navona and the Pantheon. But if you're looking for greasers and the fawns, you'll find it on the. I mean, my understanding is suburban Rome doesn't have much public spaces, and these kids that live out in the suburbs, when they want to hang out, they'll catch the subway, go downtown. What's the word? In, in most of Italy, it's the passeggiata, and there's a sort of an elegance. You're out strolling. Uh, good afternoon, good evening, madame. Uh, and in, in Rome, it's called the struccio. Yes, the struccio, which what implies that? that you actually, that there's physical... So it's the uh, rubbing. Physical, it's a, yes, Literally rubbing. the rubbing. It's so literally you go rubbing. on the uh, Via del Corso <laughs> yeah. after dark, and it's the rubbing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you can get a little friction there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> little. And uh, I, I love the murmuring that goes on, because you can, you can hear people... You know, it's your reminder of the gender of the words, you know, bella or bello. Oh, yes, but, constant commentary on everybody walking past. So yes. this is a slice of, I mean, you know, lowbrows it may be, to see the rubbing and people saying bella and bello and showing off their Vespas and their latest high heels or whatever. It's a fun slice of Rome as far as I'm concerned. I think so. Aldora, thanks for your call. Thank you. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking Rome after dark and uh, the passeggiata. Anywhere in Italy, that's a great thing. But in Rome, it's amazing. They'd shut down the main drag, the Via del Corso. Uh, the police on their horses are there at the at the Piazza del Popolo, and it's it's a people's domain. Yes, but I think it says uh, it says a lot about the way in which an urban setting can be experienced. I mean, the Romans hate crowds as much as anybody else, but they also don't like deserted places. So the passeggiata for me is just the right amount of people where I can feel that I'm part of a community. I can feel that I'm part of something bigger than just me. Yeah. Uh, but still, I don't feel overwhelmed by crowds of people. I, I just like that. I mean, I think that's what Rome is I all about. I miss it when I get home because you walk down the streets here in the Seattle area and it just doesn't have that after-hours energy. And in, in, in Italy, it's a delightful thing about Italy. Yeah, when, when I'm traveling by myself, as I, as I often do, oh, sole mio, but one of the great things about Italy and Rome in particular is you don't have to ever feel alone. It's just... You know, you and your cup of gelato, and you're walking down the street, 
and you're just right in the river of life. I love it. It, it is such a, a quintessential part of experiencing Italy, isn't it? Yeah. And half the travelers that go there miss it. That's the sad thing to me. Yeah. They're burned out from their, their sightseeing by day. Skip a museum. Keep some energy for Rome after hours. And please don't think that Rome is just the Colosseum, St. Peter's, and Trevi. It's all of this. It's the poetry that maybe is so difficult to miss, but I really invite everybody to find it. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been enjoying Rome After Dark, Roma di Notte, with Francesca Caruso and Gene Openshaw. Our email address is radio at ricksteves.com, and Kevin in Wilmington, Delaware, emailed us. And Kevin writes, alone with the wife for the first time in nine years. The kids are with the in-laws. It's our first time to Rome. Where shall we go to be really swept away? Oh, I love that idea. Okay, so it's a, a romantic vacation for Kevin and his wife. First time away from the kids in ages. They're going to Rome for their first time. Gene, what's an after-dark moment that they should be sure to enjoy? I'll go with a, a, a biggie, the Spanish Steps. I would go to the Spanish Steps because there, that's where all of Rome will be descending for nightfall, and you will see the things that are typical of Rome at night. Mm. There'll be floodlights. You'll see Bernini's fountain down at the base. Uh, you'll have people sitting on the, on the steps. You have that social aspect. And if you wanted to, you could climb up to the top where you can get a great view out over all of Rome. So you can really feel like you are in one place, but you're taking part of the entire city. And then if it was your first night there, the best thing about it is you could then walk down the steps, go right into the metro, and head straight back to your hotel. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Wow, that's perfect. You know, I would say I would go where Gene and I went when we were 18 years old on our, on our first time in Rome. I don't know if you remember this, Gene, but we went to the Capitol Hill and sat on a banister huh. overlooking the Forum yes. as lights come on. And it was just quiet, just the cats and the Forum and these magical images of ancient Rome after dark. Francesca, where would you go after dark? Well, of course, I would have chosen both of these. (laughs) No, I think that those are perfect. But maybe why not go and also uh, just sit by the Colosseum in the evening? I was thinking that that might be romantic in a strange way, too, to, I think, cross the world and go and sit by something that's 2,000 years old and but be alone with it because in the evening there are very, very few people there and just have, why not, a moment of intimacy with the ancient past mm. of Rome but also feel surrounded by the mm. modern city. And the gla- those fake gladiators, those annoying well, guys, hopefully we, they they're gone. hopefully they have gone home. They're gone then. at that time. <laughs> I was counting on that. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got the newly restored Arch of, Arch of Constantine right there, yes. floodlit beautifully. And you can really sense, you know, if you're there with, the, with your significant other, you can really sense in this eternal city how each generation is repeated from Roman times right up to the present and mm. those same stories of falling in love and uh, building a life together. You're just one more link in that big chain in the eternal city. And it will go on and on and on. Gene Openshaw, Francesca Caruso, beautiful, beautiful opportunity for me to enjoy reminiscing about Rome after dark. Thanks so much. Grazie. Grazie. Thank you. Each year, Rick Steves' tour guides take free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Italy and beyond, one small group at a time. This year, we're featuring tours of Venice, Florence and Rome, the heart of Italy, Village Italy, South Italy and Sicily. For a free catalogue and Rick's Tour Experience DVD, visit the tour pages at ricksteves.com. <laughs>